Today on a classic Compassion Radio. I cannot fathom that the refugees in that complex did not wonder if this is a harbinger of something worse to come. Well, if you've ever experienced trauma in your life from an attacker, possibly even a dog attack, anything that uh, affected you physically, emotionally, spiritually, that can become a trigger if that type of event occurs again. It would not be a statement too far from the truth to say this reminds me of what I experienced in my homeland. And certainly that would bring back some very bad, very sick, very unfortunate memories. This is Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. On this program, Bram spends time with people who live their lives in a missional way, whether it's in a mud hut in remote Africa, a church in war-torn Ukraine, a village in Nepal devastated by an earthquake, or one of the countless Christ-centered ministries in the United States. Bram is there, tirelessly bringing you the life-changing stories of God's love, goodness, and faithfulness. Just days ago, the community of Boise, Idaho was rocked to their core after a horrific knife attack by a homeless man at the birthday party of a little three-year-old migrant girl. Upon hearing the news, Pastor Glenn Compton of First Baptist Church in Boise sprang into action. By mobilizing his team, he's been able to minister to the local migrant community and the community at large by meeting both their practical and spiritual needs. This story about how the people of Boise have rallied around the victims of this senseless attack offers a powerful example of what it means to truly love your neighbor. I'm Frank Montenegro, and thanks for being with us today on Compassion Radio. Here's Bram. It's an honor for me on Compassion Radio today to welcome an old friend. And under these circumstances, I wish we had a better reason to be talking. But Glenn Compton, the Director of Pastoral Care at First Baptist Church in Boise, Idaho. Welcome to Compassion Radio. Thank you, Bram. It's a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Now, we've had about 30 years of a friendship, and God keeps putting us together. And the subject of today's program is going to be the hardest I think we've ever talked about, because it touches so many lives so deeply, and it touches your church and your congregation, your family, deeply. And that is the horrendous knife attacks that made international news over the past week, right there in Boise. It was very sad. Nine people were attacked at Boise, Idaho, apartment complex, uh, where six children, including a three-year-old, Raya Kadar, who just recently died of her injuries. Raya and her mother arrived in, in the United States in December of 2015, originally from Ethiopia and we're resettled here uh, by IRC here in, in Boise. Glenn, I know that you are directly involved with all of the settlement agencies there in Boise, and you mentioned in a conversation we had before we came on the air here that Boise itself is a tremendously welcoming community for refugees. It's a real standout, even amongst the Western states out there that have more of an open policy. What is it about Boise that makes it very inviting for settlement agencies to bring new refugees to America? A variety of factors, and and it boils down to the people. People are open, accepting to diversity, understand that there are different beliefs, different faiths, different ethnicities, different languages. Idaho is a refugee-friendly state. And Boise and surrounding communities are also very friendly in that respect. 
There's a lot of important networks within the support system for refugees as they resettle in the United States here, access to jobs, housing, places of worship, uh, that type of thing, schools. There are some local entities that I think have a very strong presence, obviously the relocating agencies Mm -hmm. themselves. There are two in Boise. And it's amazing how the school systems, the hospital, law enforcement, uh, the church community, employers rally together, come alongside refugees. Uh, Many are, are women and children and help them with this resettlement process. It's not uncommon that hundreds of refugees would arrive in Boise yearly. Now, that has uh, changed somewhat because of uh, national policy. I imagine it has. But uh, uh, we still continue to rally behind these families and help them. Uh, We celebrate World Refugee Day with a flare in downtown Boise. And uh, hundreds attend that. Within the housing development itself, the world is represented there by many nationalities. Ethiopia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Somalia the Congo. Uh, There's a wide variety of populations within that apartment complex, as well as some other apartment complexes. Our involvement with refugees is extensive, goes back since the Vietnam War, Mm. where we uh, came alongside some refugees and and, uh, some still attend here, or relatives uh, still attend. We support and partner with two congregations in our church, uh, Karen Refugees, originally from Burma, mm-hmm. spent uh, many years in refugee camps along the Thailand-Burma border. And uh, as a matter of fact, as we're speaking on the phone, uh, there's a language and vacation Bible school going on a floor above me, where there's <laughs> about uh, 30 children and adults. And they'll be here all week, and uh, we're going to have a big swimming pool party on Saturday. So it's something that we've been doing for years. Uh, We started working with the Karen refugees, originally from Burma, in 2007, and our church really rallied behind them, supported their families in many ways with friendships. We set up a, a befriending program. We'll be back to the interview in just a moment. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. And for almost 80 years now, Compassion Radio listeners and supporters like you have absolutely been up to the task. Will you help us get ready for the next big faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. It begins with you and your brave investment in kingdom communication and kingdom action. Every time we go to the front lines of faith, it inspires your faith and your giving to the Great Commission as much as it does ours. You step up and make it possible. It's our strong desire to be going deeper, to go farther, to be braver than we've ever been, and to bring you the stories that you just won't hear anywhere else. I simply ask that you would keep giving so that we can give back to the world through our strategic ministry partners and to you with inspiring programming on this radio station and over the internet. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at one 800 
1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. Of course, you can also put a stamp on an envelope and mail your gift to our Compassion Radio office, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Again, that's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. Back to Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. Now, I've heard from many refugee resettlement agencies around the country, the misunderstandings of what things can possibly mean can be dangerous and that people misinterpret signals as they're learning a new culture. But the biggest signal I would think that be misunderstood or not comprehended correctly is what was really going on with this attack and what it means for the refugee community there in Boise. We know what the media has told us so far, that the attack itself was not a hate crime as we would define it against a people group. It was an act of revenge and a lashing out of a truly spiritually sick individual. But I cannot fathom that the refugees in that complex did not wonder if this is a harbinger of something worse to come. Well, certainly, if, if, uh, if you've ever experienced a certain amount of trauma in your life from an attacker possibly even a dog attack, anything that uh, affected you physically, emotionally, spiritually, that can become a trigger if that type of event occurs again. Mm. It would not be a statement too far from the truth to say, this reminds me of what I experienced in my homeland. I saw this type of event, and certainly that would bring back some very bad, very sick, very unfortunate memories. I remember hearing just a, a simple one line out of a report from Boise a couple of days ago about some of the boys that hid themselves in closets because when they saw the blood, they felt like they were back in Somalia. Yep, that's true. What do we do with that kind of response and reaction? And how do we as Christians, especially in our prayers, enter into the suffering in an appropriate way? Well, certainly prayer is key. Uh, getting to know people, whether they're a refugee or, or some other culture, someone that has experienced some trauma, they need some friendship, they need some support, have to understand some of the aspects behind trauma, but they need encouragement and need a friend and they need support. And so we can do that in in many ways in small acts of kindness, whether it's an invitation to your home to eat a meal or have a picnic. Uh, If you see a need that you think you can obviously meet, which might be helping teach English or working on math, something very practical, uh, helping fix a bicycle. So it could be a a wide variety of things that uh, all of us could do. Small acts of kindness can go a long way. Yeah, acts of service is a language that's not hard to learn. The vocabulary is the same no matter where you go. But as Christians that have differing political views, I mean, there are plenty of folks even that listen to our program that don't agree with our refugee policy. Other folks say it's a long time coming. We need to close the doors and protect what's here. And those politics will be all over the Christian community. We're a very diverse community within the church. But for somebody who doesn't have a particularly natural affinity for refugees or for immigrants, how would you encourage them? What would be literally in it for them to be serving others that are unlike themselves? 
That's a really good question. That's a difficult question. I think uh, part of that is understanding what's going on beyond your neighborhood, beyond your range of thought, beyond your community. What's going on out in the world where just because a person was born in a different place than you and there was no other choice, these are folks without a country Hmm. by no fault of their own. And put yourself in their shoes for just a moment if you did some reading or saw some broadcasts about what happened in Burma, what's happening in Congo, what's happening in Iraq and Afghanistan and some of these places, Syria. And just put your mindset, what if I was there? How would I want to be treated? Now, this particular family that we're mourning specifically today, this little girl, we put her picture up on our Compassion Radio page. Okay. Everything about the picture works perfectly for the optics of crisis. She's a beautiful, tender little girl. And my concern almost is that the beauty that's obviously in this child that we've lost masks the bigger issue, which is even if they look nothing like what we would consider beautiful, In God's eyes, they are dearly precious and are a treasure. So we have lost a treasure, whether it's a beautiful young girl or a young man in his 20s that has been scarred by war or a mother who's been worn out beyond her years because of the traumas she's been through trying to save her family to come to America. All these stories are what make us uniquely ourselves, and God knows that story. And one of the great things about the church when refugees come is that they will reach out to learn those stories and learn to love the people that inhabit that story. There's a very tough story to be written now at that apartment complex there in Boise. It's going to be a long time before any of them can get over what they saw last Saturday. How can the Christian church in America, those who care about widows and orphans the way Jesus told us to, how can we really care for those who are experiencing new trauma that they were not expecting? Very good. There's probably a local agency, a grassroots effort within your community that is doing something. And it could be small things like we talked about previously, but there's probably a group of people, probably made up of Christians and non-Christians, who are assisting folks in some way. There's no better way than to connect with other people in that effort to get to know them. And someone down the line is going to ask you, why are you here? Mm-hmm. What's your answer? Yeah. So what's your answer going to be to that? And I know what your answer is, Glenn. Jesus got a hold of your heart as a young man and said, you're mine forever. That's right. And you set on a path of service and of ministry that you weren't even expecting, but God kept your heart and your mind towards ministry. So tell me about the work that you do there at First Baptist in Boise. You mentioned earlier that there's a Karen church upstairs, even as we're recording this, that's having a vacation and language school Maybe tell me a little about that program and other things that are happening there. Sure, you bet. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Karen Baptist Church, these are folks that originally came from Burma, lived in refugee camps. One of the largest had 40,000 people in it, and they're still operating along the Thailand border. So some of these folks have been our friends, been to their birthday parties, and they've been to mine. And (laughs) uh, just doing life together, the pastor there, Pastor S.O. Min, is a leader in the community. We have one congregation here. The Vineyard Church has a congregation. There's, there's a number of Karen folks worshiping Jesus in different churches here in the Treasure Valley. It's a beautiful, a beautiful scene. But here at First Baptist Church, the Karen Baptist Church have about 80 in their congregation. Uh, they're awesome. well organized, and they share responsibilities in terms of worship 
and various aspects of education. They're part of a network within the Northwest. There's actually a Northwest region group of churches. There are nine churches. They visit each other. They have annual conferences, and we helped host a group here of about 90 youth downstairs throughout the Western region. So there are thousands of Karen Christian refugees throughout the United States. And matter of fact, I just purchased a plane ticket for my pastor friend, Esso Min, to fly to Quad City, hmm. Illinois, for the annual conference uh, for Karen refugees. Awesome. And uh, Karen Baptist Church. Let's use that term, this Karen Baptist Church. There will probably be 150 uh, leaders there. That's So great. they're very well organized. Then we have another group of refugees that we are partnering with, and they're from Bhutan. Hmm. That is one of the most closed countries in the world. Yes, it is. And it's a smaller congregation. With our friends from Bhutan, I had the privilege to attend a baptism service and a house dedication. It was a four-hour event and food. Yes, lots of food. uh, They take their Christianity very seriously, and they study their Bible very seriously. It's very interactive worship. That is a blessing just being part of that. And and it's not just me, but other members of our congregation are deeply involved with it's helping provide scholarships for camp or helping with a vehicle maintenance issue mm-hmm. or helping them buy a home. All the logistics that uh, some of us just take for granted because we've been there, done that type thing, or our parents have. Just a real quick example of that. When did you begin driving? Myself at 16. Well, you began driving when you were in the back seat of your dad's car. You got a chance to observe how that was done. Well, a lot of my friends uh, didn't have that opportunity. So right. it's a little unique experience being in a car with uh, some of my friends. <laughs> I imagine you uh, have a lot of prayer life enhancements during those trips. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, uh, Glenn, when refugees come, it's neat to see that they're building strong communities and that they're organizing well and understanding how to organize within this culture. But they're also strengthening the body of Christ where they go, and that's encouraging to me, that they're staying active and interactive with the rest of the believers in your area, and now you're saying that the Karen Church themselves have enough of a critical mass that they're kind of a national movement now, and they're going to be very evangelical along the way, too, because they believe that God has called them here for a purpose. That's exactly right. How are you seeing the refugee community there in Boise building the kingdom? Well, by what they do, what they say, and how they do it. I think we can learn a great deal from other Christian churches, from other parts of the world. Some are uh, much more organized and methodical in their approach Mm -hmm. to sharing the gospel and learning the gospel than many churches that I've attended. Mm. And just their sincerity of worship. There are some Christians, unfortunately, that uh, put God in a box. So they live a very segmented life. Mm. Now we're going to church, and now we're out of church. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm seeing a lot of folks that uh, are from around the world that their faith is intertwined with the rest of their life. Yeah. And they, they exhibit that through their behavior, their actions. Now, certainly, hey, we're all cut from the same cloth, so to speak, but it seems like there's a strong sincerity about their beliefs. There's not a whole lot of segmenting of their life behind that. Well, we are in God's box, after all, so everything we have is kind of in the same situation. The less we keep God out of things, the more we're going to find ourselves inside of God things. I'm certain of that, too. As we close, I'd like you to lead us in a prayer in your pastoral capacity there to help us enter into the things that you know God is leading you and your congregation to pray for and to help that community. 
Sure. I'm glad to do that, Bram. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity just to talk with you as a friend. And Lord, we just uh, we lift up those that were affected, that the trauma that they've experienced, the physical trauma, the emotional trauma, that there would be healing. We thank you for the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Next time on Compassion Radio, we'll meet Pastor Glenn's wife, Lainey, and hear her testimony of God's power in the lives of her community in the face of unspeakable tragedy. I think Boise has been incredible at welcoming these families from really horrific situations in their home countries and in refugee camps and countries where they were staying temporarily. To go from those situations to a place like Boise where people smile and say hello on the street Mm. and invite you over for a meal without even knowing your last name. That's next time. If you've missed any part of today's broadcast, you can listen again anytime just by opening up a browser on your computer, smartphone, or tablet and going to CompassionRadio.com to find out more about this ministry. And please think about signing up for our email updates. Again, it's CompassionRadio.com. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in His holy sight, He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, His promises shall last. But by Him at such a cost, He will hold me fast.
Now, if this broadcast is a blessing to you, would you please consider three things? First, please pray for us. Your prayers are vital to the effectiveness of this ministry. Second, would you please tell a friend about Compassion Radio? Sharing this broadcast will help us reach as many people as possible with the encouraging reports Bram brings us from the mission field both here in the U.S. and abroad. And finally, would you please consider supporting this ministry financially? Compassion Radio is 100% listener-supported. That means it's your gifts that make it possible for us to continue. Now, there's a couple of ways you can get a hold of us. You can call us right now at 800-868-2478, or you can go to CompassionRadio.com, and when you're there, just click on the Donate button. Again, it's 800-868-2478, or CompassionRadio.com. Now, if you'd really like to make your giving super easy, you can just text the word COMPASSION to 53445. That's the word COMPASSION, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to 53445. And last but certainly not least, if you want to go old school and mail us your tax-deductible donation, great. Just send it to Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. That's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Thanks a lot. And thanks for taking time out of your busy day to listen. We are so very thankful for you. And please be sure to join us again for more Compassion Radio with Bram Floria. This program is sponsored by Compassion Radio Ministries and your generous financial support.